Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Allen. Yes! You know, this podcast is dedicated to bringing honest, authentic conversations so that you can have a healthy, happy, healthy, juicy love life. Here's Crazy Juicy Love. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Allen. I have this wonderful man here, uh, special guest, Nathan. He is a life coach for queer folk. <laughs> How are you doing, Nathan? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so tell people, like, who are you? Who do you serve? And what do you do? So my name is Nathan Serrato, and I help queer people really just move beyond what their limitations are and what they think their limitations are. Uh, I help them find that that worth and that value and just a space for them to be honest with themselves so they can be the the star of their queer success stories and just (laughs) live fabulous lives. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just curious of like, how how did you even get into coaching? Because I I'm always fascinated by the journey of coaching. Because to me, it's always I think it finds you. Then you like oh, I'm gonna be a coach. And uh, what what are you? What is your what is your story? So I got kicked out of therapy. <laughs> um, no, it, it's a funny story. I just it's oh, it's not that funny. Um, I had to go to therapy for years, and um, you know it was in and out of an abusive relationship. Um, I had a lot of religious and sexual traumas dealing with. And and then after a while in therapy, my, my therapist was just like, you know, Nathan, you know, I, I think you're good. I think you're good. I'm like, wait, well, wait, I love coming in here and just crying and talking about my story today. <laughs> what do you mean I'm good? I need you. And he's like, Nathan, I, I think you're good. And I was, I was kind of upset, but what I realized is he gave me an opportunity to stop rolling around in my wounds and just opening them up again. And I was able to just move forward and go on this path of what's next. And then I was like, okay, but I still, I still want to utilize, you know, uh, this one-on-one space. And that's how I found life coaching. And, um, and then I just fell in love. I was like, well, I want to help people do this because I don't think enough people know about coaching. I know. <laughs> and it is so helpful. <laughs> it is, you know, um, I'm curious of like, what do you see that stops people from getting, uh, hiring a coach for their, for their lives or love lives and their, their lives? <laughs> well, I mean, if we're going to be real, I would say... Listen, but we've been real. No holding back. I told you. I tell you, I think there is toxic masculinity, even within the queer community. Oh, child. (laughs) Men are so afraid to ask for help and talk Child. (laughs) That's what it is. Oh my God. I mean, you're speaking to the choir. And that makes me like, I wasn't going to pull this out, but I, you know, so not like I was like hiding it or anything like that. So I, you know, I've been 
really targeting targeting men and like and especially like looking at in the industry like what other coaches or men are making impacts on men and so i've been following this one guy he's not a coach he's not a coach but he does a lot he's been recently he actually um got a lot of shit for a commercial he um did you've probably seen it um he was he's he's a, uh, he's a straight black man and i don't know if you remember the gillette commercial that showed the the father the black father teaching his trans son how to shave i have i, I don't remember that part specifically but i remember the gillette series uh, yeah it, it was that one and then there was another one where these are guys in the backyard talking about barbecue and they were talking about how they were feeling and they were getting it was the, the two most controversial um uh commercials <laughs> last year and i found out that this guy jason rosario is was responsible for helping cultivate those commercials <laughs> and i was like oh who is this guy so it's um and one of the beliefs that and, and I was just reading, I haven't read the whole study, the study, but this particular study listed like eight of the beliefs that men, that keep men, all men, both gay and straight, behind, not behind per se, but like just stuck. And one of them is this belief that we have to be self-sufficient. Like it says, and men who talks a lot about the worries, fears, problems shouldn't be really respected. Men should figure out on their own, their own problems and be their own and find out their own way and never ask for help. Yeah, sounds like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so sad. The the criticism against that commercial and that whole series is that they are killing what makes men men. And the way I see it is we're destroying what holds men hostage. And that's this limitation of not being able to express ourselves and lean on each other for help. Like, it's it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Well, it really is ridiculous. <laughs> and it's true. Like, you know, I've, you know, in my, I had to like sort of switch gay circles um, because uh, I, I, as I, cause I, I don't know about you, but as I do more of the self-development work, you start to, you start to really see people's stuff. <laughs> and I had to ask myself, is this, is this group serving me? Like, am I growing? Am I, and like, how am I growing? How are they growing? Like, is this where I want to be? Are they, you know, asking myself these tough questions versus I had someone who's now like one of my best friends and I see like, oh, he's he's gay and like really striving and like really like bought three houses, double, like triple his income and all these things and like really doing this work. And like, I've never seen another gay man like to work, like just like he has this vulnerability that I've never seen before in other gay men. And I was just like, damn, this dude is like, like unabashed, like will share himself with the people that he love and me. Like we've had, and you know, we because I think we have a healthy relationship that we I don't want to say we we call each other out in a healthy way that's not like shaming or shameful, but we just see the best in each other. And I was not getting that at all. Like I, you know, in my gay circle, I, like I feel like I couldn't really share because it was like all this like shameful the shame like language that's permeating uh, that permeates within the gay community mm-hmm. so <laughs> and the way i see the the gay experience is first you have to deal with the shame of a heteronormative society through religion cultural societal mm-hmm. stigmas and then 
you come out and you're like, okay, everything's going to be great. But no, there's this other wall of shame well, in the gay community itself. And it's like, oh, honey, you're not done. Right. <laughs> then you have to face issues around body image and just, you know, just stereotypes of, of being gay and what it means to be gay. And so when I discovered the gay coaches community, and I think that's where we met initially, yeah. and um, it was such an uplifting gay community. I'd never experienced it before. Um, everyone was working on themselves. They were there, they were vulnerable. And so when I came back from that, um, that conference last year, um, I was like, okay, I need to bring this to San Diego because I've never seen this, a, a gay community in San Diego where we're just open and uplifting one another and working on ourselves. And so that's kind of how I started my queer conscious community um, is, is from that experience. So I was like, I need to recreate this. So now we do hikes, we do macrame nights. We've been doing virtual cuddle puddles since we can't meet in person. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I totally feel that. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm curious of like, you know, from your coaching, like what do you, what other things do you see that are in common with that, what holds men back? Yeah, um, what holds men back? What holds them back? Themselves, they hold themselves back. Right. And I think the reason they do that is because they don't feel worthy enough to go after the things that they deserve. Uh, I think society has taught them for years that they are unlovable. I think we had talked about this before. Yeah. Society I, taught them that, you know, their rights are up for debate, mm -hmm. that they're taught by religions that, I mean, they're, they're not worthy of God's love. Yeah. And so they, I think that impacts people. It, it goes into your programming and then you react off that programming. Right. So you have to consciously undo it. And that's where I think you and I come in as coaches. We help deprogram those belief systems that stop them from going for their dreams and their, their goals. Or even so, love. Like, I think, yes. you know, <laughs> right. You know, the willingness to look. Like, I, I remember uh, uh, as I was beginning to, on my journey as becoming a coach, and I was, I think I was still in, um, I was just getting into my coaching program to come certified and one of the things that we focus on is patterns like really listening for and like really identifying people's patterns in love and so I had a friend of mine you know uh, I don't know how he even got into this conversation but he was telling me about his past relationships and I was like hmm I said you have a pattern he goes no I don't I said well and I literally I said you date the same, the same age of man, the same race of man, the same man has done the same thing to you three times. That's a pattern. Oh, I don't see that. I was like, like, I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, this is, I, I repeated exactly what you said to me. Like, he just like the refusal to see like the filter or the pattern that he is living into it won't won't waver at all and didn't wonder why like he was not in a healthy relationship because he's literally chasing the same thing over and over again and that's like I, I, going back to like what we were talking about like you know the unlovable thing is like it's one of the things that we learn is like one of the core beliefs that a lot of people have and i would like to read the thing that you have on your instagram <laughs> um because it's so true it's like a core huh no, the, the the from the Velvet Rage that quote. Uh, is it from the Velvet Rage? Actually, I just finished that book. 
Oh, it is on the Velvet Rage. Uh, and I, <laughs> uh, yeah, it says, it's so funny. I just finished that book. It says, uh, I am unlovable. It is a belief that pushes, that even dominates it's us with its tra uh, tranny and existential angst. In our own way, young and old alike, we set about the business of earning love and escaping the pain of believing we are unlovable. Ugh, that book. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, this, like, the quote actually made me go back to, like, the things <laughs> that I studied. You know, so, like, from your, from your experience with coaching, like, what are like they'll talk about like that, that core belief and how do people keep that belief alive because a lot of people don't know that even have that belief of themselves like how do you keep that sort of belief alive in your life yeah i i mean i think it's it's belief perseverance i think it's the brain's natural way of protecting right. themselves and um you know our brains are, are really great at just doing the easy thing and <laughs> and we have to consciously teach it to, to do others, uh, to do things that are good for us. But um, I see it come up in a number of ways. Um, the just one thing in particular is, is not setting clear boundaries with people they love. They, they have to feel like they're small and they don't talk about their lives um, authentically mm -hmm. because they don't want to offend anyone. They don't want to take up space. Um, they feel like they need to keep themselves small. So I think that's the biggest way and they don't want to ask for too much. They, they don't want to have the expectations of their family to accept their lifestyle. They don't want to have expectations of their work to respect their lifestyle. It's just, and that's where I see it. It's just keeping themselves small. Yeah, and another way I say they don't, like a lot of times they don't choose themselves. They put people before them. And then also they so, you know, I had a client actually was, had that belief and he, well, <laughs> he was 44. 43 years old, uh, gay man in Texas from Texas, and literally his longest relationship was two weeks. And that was his pattern over and over again because he wasn't choosing himself. He didn't feel like he was, uh, he was felt like he was unlovable. Um, so he would choose men who would just up and leave because like, well, you know, it uh, validated the belief in himself. And the other thing that how it showed up was like he wouldn't share his love of how important love was for him with his family. Like his friends didn't even know that he even wanted to be in a relationship. Like here he is, he's telling me how important it is, but his best friends didn't know that how much he really wanted to be in a relationship and that he felt like he was stuck. Um, and he didn't know that he was stuck in this pattern, but he just didn't know what to do. And after two, he started coaching. So, you know, he didn't share his love because he didn't feel like his love was even valuable. Yeah. No, and, and I think gay men just kind of walk around with this general dissatisfaction of their lives. They don't even know where, it, where it's coming from. Right. Uh, and so when I was reading that, I've read a lot of books, but I've never had a book read me. <laughs> <laughs> I did it read you? <laughs> it was like everything that a gay man does and where they're coming from and you know I, I would say I resonated with probably 90% of that book and that's never happened to me before but so just props to the author um, I, I forget his name off the top of my head oh it's Alan Downs Alan Downs yeah Alan Downs yes oh my god <laughs> so I you know 
I, I wanted to talk about like self-care, um, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I was sharing this with um, another therapist, actually, a therapist, I, I think I met at the Gay Coaches Conference, can't remember, and about like why, and I, you know, cause I know for me, like, like going to the doctor and being tested and being um, like taking care of myself, like, you know, was a big deal in the beginning, <laughs> first coming out. So like why? In your in your studies or in your experience, like why is it hard for sometimes men to go and get <laughs> regularly jacked and you know and tested and taking care of themselves in a way that's that's healthy? Yeah, I I think there's a misunderstanding of what self care actually is. Yeah, self care is not you know staying up late and watching binge watching Netflix. <laughs> Self-care is not eating food that's unhealthy for you. Like those are nice things to do for yourself. And, you know, um, but self-care is doing what's going to be best for the person you want to become. If if you're not taking actions to become that person, um, that's not self-care in my opinion. So I think there's, there's a confusion there. And people think they self-care again. It's just like going, going to get your nails done and going <laughs> to get your hair done. I mean, that's, okay. getting that's, your nails done I mean, is a little bit of self-care. That is a little bit of self-care. <laughs> but I was, you know, I was like listening to a podcast the other day and I, I kind of knew this. Uh, his name is uh, Mark Groves, Creative uh, uh, Love. And he was saying like self-care is like really challenging the thoughts that you're, you know, living in, like all the negative thoughts that keep you holding you back. Like, how are you? challenging the thoughts in your head that's keeping you from love that's keeping you from your family that's keeping you all the resentment all the um you know the your bad choices you're making like how are you shifting those into healthy habits healthy beliefs healthy forms of healthy choices you know that's that is also self-care as well yeah no i I definitely agree with that and it's just it just goes a lot deeper than just like going out for a drink like I don't I mean and that's nice to socialize I'm not like down or like trying to talk shit about (laughs) people's cares uh, but you have to distinguish on on what's holding you back and what's moving you forward yeah and I think true self-care is is moving you forward Um, and how did you learn how have that healthy self-care with yourself because I know you talked about you had to go through your uh, <laughs> your traumas, and how did you how did you move past that? Like, well, oddly enough, self care is not staying in a relationship for three years. That's bad for you. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be lonely. Self care is not um, drinking and getting wasted with your friends every weekend. Self care is not it, it's not any of those things. Um, for me self-care looks like um, hanging out with friends in authentic ways. It is dancing. Um, I love my pole dancing. It's, <laughs> it's feeling sexy for myself, right? It's not going for grinder hookups. It's just like embodying sensuality and expressing it in a healthy way. Um, self-care is going on hikes and, you know, clearing my brain and allowing my, my thoughts to just, you know, fall away and be an observer of my thoughts and just, be present. Um, yeah, so that's my self-care. <laughs> that's great. Um, I, I, I agree with you. Like I've just started to, especially with this whole pandemic thing, like started going, to, I used to do it, but then it's going on longer walks. And, you know, 
one thing that Mark Groves also said, I started to notice I started to do it, but like practicing being in silence, like no music, no books, no nothing, like just being with myself and my thoughts. And it's like, in the beginning, it's a little shocking, but the things that you do and say to yourself and the running dialogue that comes up, you know, and, you know, I guess recently I noticed how that's been shifting with all the work that I've been doing on myself. Like, for me, that's like, Oh, I can, I notice my happiness going up because I'm not in that, you know, disempowering self-talk, self-belief much anymore. It does still come up as you know, but that's also like being comfortable in the silence. Cause some people, I know a lot of gay men can't be in the silence. They always have to be hooking up. They always have to be going here. They always have to be drinking. They always have to do this. Like it's, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, and they can't be silent because we are assholes to ourselves. <laughs> We're so mean to ourselves. Why do we do that? We're just like constantly berating ourselves, comparing ourselves to other people. And it's it's bad if you just sit and observe your thoughts. Like you said, it's just, it's scary. No wonder people don't want to sit in silence. Right. And what is it, in, in, in your opinion, like why do you think that permeates so much in the LGBT community? The self, the shame, the self, you know, shameful thoughts and banter and things like that. Because yeah. it's fun at to a certain point. <laughs> You're like, okay, enough. Wait, wait. I mean, are, are you asking why? Why I think we think it's not? Well, I'm just asking, like, why is that a permit, like a thing in the community? Because it's it's really a thing. That's probably one of the reasons why I stopped hanging around with the particular group that I was hanging in. Because it was just always content, like the shameful thoughts the shameful like you know uninvites to like the beach <laughs> like if your body wasn't this way you gotta be that way i want to hang around this kind of friend i want to hang around this kind of group like you know yeah you know i, I think it goes back to what we we're talking about earlier yeah. unlovable or feeling unlovable and what do you have to do to feel lovable you have to fit all these ridiculous standards of beauty and and if you don't fit that then there's like that self-deprecation of yourself and you know self-deprecating others or mm -hmm. I guess insulting others and because you want to feel lovable and you want to be surrounded by people that fit those standards so it's just yeah there's just a lot of cattiness too yeah not with everyone i and, right. and you can't put the entire gay community into one box but no. uh, i think for the gay community it it's prominent because of our programming from culture and society and religions telling us that we are unlovable. Yeah. So how do you as a coach like work with people with that sort of belief? Like what do you, be, how do you begin to start to get people to cause people to, to shift that belief about themselves? Yeah, we don't even talk about it. <laughs> we, we, we let it come up. Mm -hmm. um, we focus on what they want. We align themselves with their, their honest vision of how they want to see their life. Um, like for instance, maybe you want a monogamous relationship and you've never felt like that was possible. And like, okay, so you want that. Or you want a, a career and you want to be an entrepreneur. Okay, that's what you want. And then as we start building towards that and moving towards those goals and you find yourself getting stuck, okay, what's stopping you from getting there? then we do some internal work and we really dig up the thoughts that are keeping you there. And then those belief systems of being unlovable come up right. over and over again. Um, so it's really just staying focused on what you want in life. 
Yeah, and like I, I that I agree. Like, especially, it's really important to like really get where that belief come from because I know I've had those beliefs too. And like, well, where did I say that? Who did I say that to? Why did I agree to that? And like all these agreements that we make, and like, oh, this is the truth. It's like, no, that is that is somebody else's truth that I'm living out in my own life. You know, especially with religion and all what society says about you know gay men in general. Like, especially with the monogamy. Uh, conversational one of my best friends he he in his mind too that he thought that you know gay men aren't supposed to be <laughs> monogamous but then he was like somewhere I don't know how he discovered this and I was thinking about this too it's like oh like I disagree to that when I was younger like oh I'm gay well this is the way we, we are we are we out here we're supposed to be planting our seeds and like doing this all this kind of thing it's like no like why do I agree to that is that is that really true for me is that what I really want and I was like, uh, I don't, I don't think I don't really feel good after this other fourth hookup of the week. <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> I've been there. You know, it's like, what do I, what do I really want? And what really feel good? What, what really feels good to me? What's really true for me? And for some people, that is polygamy, and, and right. that's great. They should absolutely, you know, feel empowered to and worthy enough to to go and get that. Um, but if it's not vibing with them, if they're just doing it because they think that's the way that, you know, that's all that they deserve, then, you know, it's, it's just not worth it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. There's something else you had on your, um, your, I really love it, on your Instagram. It says, the purpose of life isn't to look for love, it's to delete all the barriers which prevent you from loving yourself. Oh yeah, that's a good what did, one. What did you, I, I, I kind of have an idea where this came from, but I'm curious of like, where did you get that from, and like, why did you? What, what, why does that resonate so much with you? Um, you know, it's funny when when I work with a client or I'm feeling inspired, I like look for for quotes around you know certain issues, and then and that was one that just really stuck out to me because um, I was I was talking with someone who. Actually, this is, now that I'm realizing it, this is something that resonated with myself as well. So it's, it's myself and my clients is sometimes we're afraid to get into a relationship, um, not because, you know, we're, we're scared of, of it not working out, but we're scared of trusting ourselves. Like maybe we were the bad person in a relationship or maybe we just don't value ourselves or we think we're going to mess it up. We're going to sabotage it. So then we push love away. We don't even give ourselves a chance because, because we don't want to be the bad guy again. We don't want to deal with the pain of hurting someone else. Um, because then again, we'll feel unlovable <laughs> in another way. <layer. laughs> <The> <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's really just allowing yourself to love yourself and mm -hmm. trust yourself um, that, you can handle these gifts of life. Right. You're worthy of these gifts of life. You're worthy of that job. You're worthy of that relationship. And you can trust yourself to go out there and get it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, the, the quote actually reminds me of um, a quote from the book, A Return to Love um, by Marian Williamson. And she says, and I'm going to butcher it, but love is there to shine a light on the things that are holding you back. And then, and love is, and it's specifically supposed to shine a light on the bad things that you can go figure out why, why do I have this reaction? Why am I reacting this way? And you work on that so that you can create more room 
in yourself so you can expand in love. So, you know, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, if I stop reacting to this person or any relationship, friends or romantic, and I look at like, why am I so reactive to this moment? Then it's my opportunity to like heal or investigate, you know, and shift that belief and heal myself so I can therefore stop reacting and therefore I can have more, make more room for more people or just more love for myself and for others. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then that's what, that's exactly what coaching does. Right, exactly. <laughs> so we are giving that space and sometimes it's brutal, but um, I think most people appreciate it at the end because... Uh, <laughs> Well, what was a, a, a off topic? Off topic, but what was one of a a moment in a, a coaching session that was like tough for me or for them? For, <laughs> well, for you. Well, for both. Like you, because you listen when you're you can feel it. Like you know, for me, there's always not always, but sometimes there's a moment. They're like they're, I sometimes res- would almost resist of saying something that I know that's going to trigger, but I, I say it anyway. Um, that's because, <laughs> because it needs to be said. So I'm curious of like, what was the moment? But it was a, it was a good moment. Like usually the moments are good anyway. Yeah. Oh man, I, I have to think about that. Um, I, I have I, one. <laughs> yeah, you go first. Let me, okay, let me inspire me. So I had a client um, game. And so we were um, on the topic of toxic relationships. And so he hesitated when uh, when the, the conversation came up. And I was like, well, what's, what's there for you? He was like, well, I have a name on my list and I'm not sure why I have it. And he was he was like, okay. I said, well, what's the name? who's the name? He said, well, it's one of my best friends. And I was like, okay, well, why do you have that name on the list? And he said, well, I'm just tired of him being in this toxic relationship with his boyfriend and it's really affecting me. And I am tired of being on the phone, hearing him crying year after day after day, year after year. And I it just, it, it's, it's, it's really draining. And I said, okay, so what are you going to do? <laughs> he said, he said, I don't know. I said, well, if it's not serving you, then there needs to be a boundary set. And he was like, uh, he was like, oh, I, I think I do. I was like, I was like, yeah, if this is draining you and you're not getting the love what you want for this relationship, I don't like I'm sort of making this up a little bit. Uh, I don't remember exactly what I said. I said, there needs to be a boundary set. I said, otherwise, he's going to keep staying in that relationship. He's not going to leave. And he said, he's not. He's been, he, he leaves and go. He leaves. I said, see, and I, I forgot what I said. He has a belief that he's this is all he deserves, and he is not lovable. So that he would not put himself put himself out there anymore, because that's what he thinks that he deserves. And I said, if he breaks up again, he's gonna go right back to him. And so he, and it was really like because it was difficult for him for me to say that to him because he knew, I don't know if he knew that I was gonna say that, but it was it had been going on for two years. And I had to say it. And so the week afterwards, he said, he was like, it was scary, but I said it. And the guy was like, well, my coach, he said, I hear your coach and I'm going to do it. So the guy broke up with him. And then a couple days later, went back to the guy. And he's like, I can't do it. 
I think this is, I'll, I'll just stick it out. And I was like, wow. But he did set a boundary with this new best friend, this best friend. And he's like, like, it felt so good because he didn't feel as drained anymore. Oh my God, boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have a, a similar um, story and, and I, I don't remember the details, but ultimately it's it's a very similar thing. It's, you know, we, we train other people to act a certain way around us because, yes. of what we, because of what we tolerate, right? And what we're allowing. And we just sit there and we take it um, and mm. we're punching bags for other people or just like an emotional download, like people just cry all over us and and we just we just let it happen um especially when it's people we love and care about i think that's why everybody wants a best friend or gay best friend because we're we're easy to take advantage of (laughs) 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 um no but i i think with with this person in particular um they didn't even realize that a boundary was an option for a family member they're like wait a minute what like when I gave them that option. I was like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to continue having a relationship with them or do you not want to? Like they didn't realize they had a choice to continue that relationship. And of course they chose to continue having the relationship because they love this, this family member. Um, but they were able to help define that relationship in their own way and what works best for them. Yeah. So they didn't have to take their shit every day. They didn't have to sit through offensive comments all the time. They were able to make it very clear that if offensive comments came up, they would leave the conversation. And they did that. And I remember she came back and they, she just felt so empowered. Um, she's like, I felt like a badass. I felt so good I know. <laughs> just leaving the conversation. And, and she was like, I did it with love. And they knew yeah. it. it. In the end, it strengthened their relationship. Yeah, it's it's so true. Before we, you know, get to the start to wrap up, like why? Because I know for me, like I remember when I was getting coached around relationships, uh, my coach was like, "You need to set a boundary with this friend," and it was like it was hard because I had never set a boundary before. It was hard because that was just I, I didn't know. I knew there, there would be a reaction. And I was just wondering, like, how am I going to react? Am I going to have the right words to say? How's it going to come out of my mouth? Like, am I, like, I didn't want to lose this person, but at the same time, I knew that I needed to set a boundary because it was draining. It was just, just so, uh, it was just, just, it was just draining. And I remember setting that boundary. It, it did. It felt, it felt so good. And I, I didn't, I, I, I felt a little bit guilty because it was somebody who was close to me. But it felt so good because it really started to really reshape our friendship and we had to really refocus and reframe and like almost like start over, which was really good. We had to relearn because I realized that I trained this person to to like be this way with me. I never said anything. It's what we do. But I bet you felt like Beyonce coming out of there. Like, yes. Coming out of the stage, coming out of the ground. <laughs> this is my boundary. This is how I want to be treated. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So we're going to wrap up here. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions that I normally ask towards the end of the conversation. So, uh, what does a life of love mean to you? A life of love. Oh. A life of love, 
I'm just imagining myself just dancing through life and laughing and you know the good the bad you just flow and you dance with it and you just you embrace it the, like the crying the oh, the betrayals like <laughs> they're, they're all just learning lessons and you just flow with it and allow life to happen um but you never stop being true to yourself so. i love you said that but the betrayals dancing with the betrayals <laughs> it's like i think that's it one of the biggest lessons i've learned to like embrace the tr- the betrayals and like or embrace breakups like breakups are just opportunities to learn and grow and be more fuller fuller into yourself uh and it's not like the end of the world you know <laughs> i mean it does hurt yeah, and it, what is it? it's a lot easier said than done. No, I know it is. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm not just like dancing through life, like la la la. Oh, oh I get betrayals. Mad. I get upset. Um, but at the end of the day, I allow myself to to work through it and manage my thoughts around it. And yeah. Take responsibility for, for how I show up. And that's all we can do. Yeah. And so how do you get out of your own way? Mm, get out of my own way. Oh, that's a good question. Um... I take time for myself to process things and I make sure not to react. Um, I am lucky to have friends that I can bounce things off. I'm like, am I crazy? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I, I allow myself to check my ego and allow downtime to just be and sit with my emotions. And you know, if I'm feeling you know, upset, I'm gonna allow myself to cry and journal um, and just take time for me, so. Yeah, I love that. And what does a juicy love life, what does a juicy love life looks like to you? Juicy love life. Um, Are we talking about romance? (laughs) Whatever comes up to for you. Yes, romance. Yeah, let's go romance. Is like (laughs) juicy love life. Oh God, I'm such a nerd. (laughs) Is two people who are like constantly working on themselves and respect each other and grow together and yeah it's just respect that's what and I think the juiciness like comes from that respect I like love (laughs) my foreplay is just talking about emotions and (laughs) talking about (laughs) (laughs) I'm like let's talk about our feelings let's talk about I don't know just anything I love talking so (laughs) on that note I'll shut up (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more about that. Uh, um, and where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me on Instagram on Queer Conscious. That's C O N S C I O U S, not conscience. <laughs> Queer Conscious. <laughs> and queerconscious.com. And um, I also have a meetup group if you want to do some virtual cuddle puddles, sexy pillow dances, um, all with other gay men. So. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the, the, the cuddle? Is it cuddle puddle? <laughs> yes. So I, I realized that I, what I miss most in this quarantine is physical touch. I miss the hugging. And, you know, my friends and I, we, we do cuddle puddles, just like platonic, like just cuddle puddles. It's cute. Um, so I wanted to recreate just the conversational intimacy that you get through that. So a virtual cuddle puddle, you just grab your blanket and we have um, guided discussions and we are vulnerable and support each other. Um, so it's just a place to talk about the gay experience. Oh, cool. I think I'm going to check one of those out then. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thank you, Nathan. Big spoon or little spoon? Huh? Big spoon or little spoon? <laughs> Depends. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of verses in there too, so. <laughs> um, I'm used. Well, I I I'm usually the big spoon, but sometimes. You know, I gotta. I love to be a little spoon sometimes. It's it's nice to be held. <laughs> um. Anyways, Nathan, thank you so much for being here, and I really appreciate your conversation and your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. And if you really like this podcast, please share it. Twitter, Instagram, or on your webpage. Thank you. Crazy Juicy Love.